Welcome to the More Equity Podcast by Harlem Capital. Harlem Capital is an early stage, diversity-focused venture capital fund based in New York. We're on a mission to invest in 1,000 diverse entrepreneurs over the next 20 years. Thank you for following our journey and now on to the podcast. Crypto, NFTs, and decentralized finance are the buzzwords these days. Many believe the world of crypto will change everything. At the same time, respected investors and institutions remain speculative. In our Crypto Convo series, we'll be talking to investors and innovators who have found great opportunity amongst the uncertainty. In this episode, we're joined by Marty Stenson, who leads strategy and corporate development for Gemini's early stage venture fund, the Gemini Frontier Fund. Prior to Gemini, Marty worked in investment and strategy-related roles at CoinShares and UBS. Listen in to hear Harlem Capital's partner, Brandon Bryant, and Marty discuss Gemini's resources, the metaverse, and what's next in the crypto space. Welcome back to another episode of the More Equity Podcast by Harlem Capital. We have an amazing guest today, Marty Stinson from Gemini, which is a leading global uh, crypto exchange. And he also leads Gemini's early stage venture fund, uh, the Gemini Frontier Fund. And uh, Marty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks a ton to, to you and to the Harlem team for having me on today. Super excited to be here. Yeah, we're super pumped. So before jumping right into the conversation, always want folks to understand who's jumping on the pod. Can you tell us just a little bit more about your background, where you grew up, kind of what you wanted to be when you were growing up as well, and then like how you got to where you are today? Yeah, happy to. Um, So background, I guess, born and raised in kind of suburbs of Philly my whole life. Went to college at Penn State, where I studied finance uh, with a minor in entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, I guess to answer your question on, on what I wanted to be with when I grew up, hard to say. I didn't really have something specific. I still don't, to be honest, as cliche as that is, right? But I, but I did know I always kind of loved technology, loved the internet, was a big fan of like Steve Jobs growing up, uh, watched all his keynotes. And I remember when the iPhone dropped in 2007, it was a super exciting day. Uh, but things like, you know, I wrote a paper on, on the future of the internet in high school that gave speeches on net neutrality in college. So kind of was always, again, fascinated with the internet and only fitting that I, that I made my way into, in, into an industry that's kind of all about advancing the future or kind of the next phase of the internet. I then went into traditional finance in 2017, spent a few years in traditional finance, uh, realized pretty quickly that kind of being at a big bank wasn't for me. I wanted to be in, a, in kind of a faster paced, more innovative environment. And also at the time, had started to kind of go down the crypto rabbit hole, which I'm happy to, to share more about if you'd like, but uh, kind of fell down the, the old rabbit hole back in the fall of 2017 as the cycle started kind of running last time around and got hooked since then, decided to jump in full-time 2019 and kind of the rest is, the rest is history. Well, that everyone talks about jumping into the rabbit hole and that rabbit hole is getting deeper mm-hmm. by the day right now. I was uh, speaking with someone offline. We talked about like uh, crypto has hit escape velocity where it's it's purely impossible to actually be up to speed in everything which is why i guess there are DAOs where you could have a whole community try to keep each other up to speed and move towards an aligned mission but you did bring up something that i wanted to uh, double click on yeah which was that initial moment that made you go down a rabbit hole like what was the 
you know, the straw that broke the camel's back for you to say, hey, I'm leaving this like traditional world and I'm trying to go into this world that is unknown, but is super exciting. This this new software, these new ecosystems, yeah. decentralized finance, et cetera. What was like the events that led up to that? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so first time I kind of stumbled upon Bitcoin was as early as 2013. Uh, fortunately, was young and naive, did not have the foresight to to buy and hold uh, and invest long term then kind of just saw it in passing and didn't didn't think much of it until really like I said 2017 when I when when the price started running up and people started to become more interested again I was stubborn at first because I had originally seen Bitcoin 2013 at prices you know under $100 so I, I had that initial kind of this is a bubble reaction until finally I just got convinced by some friends that started reading reading more about it to, to at least dig in and, and start to better understand what was going on and the more I started to read about Bitcoin, blockchain technology in general back in 2017, the more I became fascinated kind of right away, right? I realized how radically important and transformative this tech could be long-term on the way that, that the financial system, the way that the internet, the way that society operates, right? Just like the way that the internet came in, you know, turn of the, the century and, and completely changed everything about how, how humans and our society interacts with and exchanges information, right? Which again, had trickle, trickle effects across the entire world. I saw crypto had that opportunity to have that same sort of transformative effect on how humans interact with and exchange value and ownership. And, and that, um, that is kind of a deeply profound evolution that we're only just beginning to scratch the surface of. And being at a big bank in terms of how I ended up switching over professionally, right? Being in a big bank, I was also in a pretty unique position in that I was right in the center of the legacy financial system. I, I got to see firsthand how inefficient and manual all the old legacy systems were. Like it, it was just glaring to me how many processes were again manual, human human driven, built you know 40, 50 years ago. Um, but again, I think the biggest thing was just seeing the the night and day comparison as to how inefficient the legacy financial system was from the inside and then learning about Bitcoin and, and, and crypto in general and seeing that this was so clearly the 21st century solution to kind of how, again, humans interact with, with value and, and exchange value. Um, I knew that from a career perspective, I didn't want to be kind of caught on my heels on the defensive kind of working in an incumbent industry, right? Like the newspaper kind of had become, you know, if you will, with, with the internet came around, I knew I wanted to be on the offense, be on the challenger side, and just kind of align my career growth with the, the growth of an industry that I just, I firmly believe is going to continue exploding over the next 20, 30 years. Yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's really good insight. And a fellow finance guy and banker who has moved into the crypto space, I feel the pain. Uh, <laughs> thinking about crypto overall, could you explain crypto to like a, a fifth grader or someone who is knows nothing about crypto, are there certain terms that people should know? Is there a certain definition? Uh, please let us know. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Something I think about pretty often as I've tried to kind of explain, I've had to explain crypto to a lot of people over the last few years, right? And it's kind of a tough question to answer because the term crypto is pretty broad, right? It's almost like saying, explain technology or explain finance to a fifth grader, right? It's such a broad term. There's so many facets to kind of unpack. At the highest level, though, I think how I define crypto or cryptocurrencies broadly is just digital assets 
that are represented on a decentralized ledger, right? And that's what we call blockchain. Um, to dig into that just a little further, I think when, when you're starting to understand crypto, it's probably most important or the best place to start in, in, from an educational perspective is just starting with Bitcoin, right? And understanding what Bitcoin does and, and how Bitcoin changes kind of, again, the legacy system, right? And the legacy system that Bitcoin is uh, transforming, in my opinion, is just our typical centralized banking system, right? So for, for a fifth grader, I'd start by quickly kind of explaining how a bank works, right? What a bank does when you boil it down and kind of oversimplify it is they keep a centralized ledger or really like books and records. Really, you can think of it as a book uh, that has the balances of every every uh, customer of theirs. So it'll say, Marty has $1,000 that'll be written in the book. It'll say, Brandon has $5,000. Brandon's obviously much richer than Marty is in this scenario. But it's a centralized kind of banker's job to keep track of everyone's balances, what transactions they're doing, kind of go to that banker and trust him to keep in him or her to keep in that centralized book, um, again, keep a record of all the balances and transactions that someone has, right? The, the problem there is that you're trusting them to make sure that they're keeping information accurate. They're also not cheating and, and giving themselves more money behind closed doors than other people do. So there's a lot of trust inherent in that centralized system. What Bitcoin does is flip that completely on its head. And instead of kind of having to go to this one centralized group or central counterparty, this banker to keep track of everything, it takes that books, those books and records, that ledger, and puts it, makes it publicly available to anyone on the internet and gives every computer that wants it a copy of this book, right? So now you don't have to trust this centralized banker to keep track of everything correctly because everyone in the world has access to see, you know, if, if I tried to go in there, Marty tried to erase, you know, his thousand dollar balance and, and up, up it to a million dollars without anyone noticing, everyone else has a copy of that book and is able to easily, you know, see that, that that's just a fraudulent transaction or that that's just not correct. And so again, we have this, radically new way of keeping track of almost like bank account balances all around the world, anyone in the world without having to trust any central counterpart. And that's what kind of Bitcoin does in a nutshell. Uh, obviously much more to, to crypto than just Bitcoin though, to, to dig in a, just a little bit further, right? In a functioning economy, you obviously have things not in the physical world, for example, you have things, you don't just have a bank account with cash, right? You have you do more complex operations, things like lending, borrowing, you know, you're trading stocks, all these sorts of things are, are more complex operations than just a simple bank account balance that shows how much money you have, right? So they require more complex applications to be built than just Bitcoin, but they can still be built in this sort of decentralized way on the internet available for anyone to access and see. Uh, and that's that whole kind of ecosystem of all these more complex financial transactions, uh, interacting on blockchains is what you you hear people call decentralized finance or DeFi, right? Most of that DeFi is built on a network called Ethereum today, which is essentially a, a development platform for, for building applications in this decentralized way. And then the last kind of major bucket within crypto that you might be hearing a lot of, especially this year, right, is again, in, in the real physical world, you have, you don't just have financial assets or financial operations either, right? You have, um, all sorts of other kind of just unique assets to you, right? Like you own a house, you own a car, you own clothes. All these things are kind of unique assets, unique objects in the physical world that you own. And in the digital world, this type of digital kind of unique asset is what we call a non-fungible token or an NFT, right? Which is another term again, that's been kind of blowing up this year. But 
again, as the world becomes increasingly digital, you'll see more and more of these types of assets, things like digital houses or digital land in virtual reality, right? Or digital art or digital collectibles in, in video games. Any sort of unique object is an NFT. So overall, there, to sum up, there's a ton of different rabbit holes within crypto that you can obviously jump down. And I've only just scratched the surface in, in that kind of few minute um, explanation that I just kind of went through. But at the end of the day, how I think of crypto is it's building the infrastructure for an entirely new digital economy, digital financial system based on digital assets that are not reliant on banks, not reliant on trust or central intermediaries, but instead reliant on code that's transparent and easily accessible to anyone on the internet. Bars, just good gems dropped there. I always talk about crypto in the space being like open, transparent and community led. These are like three things that you can't find in web two or you can't find in like the, the typical internet. And it, the cool thing about that is that that is not only going to happen on one internet application, there's gonna be like five, 10, 15, if you will, different internet applications that are now open, transparent and community led and are gonna have hundreds if not thousands of ecosystems that are gonna have orders of magnitude, way more communities being built on them, which means yeah. there's a pretty good opportunity if someone wants to get involved today in the space, which is somewhere else I wanted to dig in on. Now that someone like understands crypto, they're gonna buy their first piece of, the, of a cryptocurrency or NFT, what do they do after that? And maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, Gemini and what you're doing there, and then even on the investing side with Gemini's Frontier Fund. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so in terms of kind of how to get involved in the early days, I, I would definitely say coming to a platform like a Gemini uh, is, is the easiest way to get involved. I'd probably start by just buying some Bitcoin, right? You can do that by just downloading our app on the App Store, on your iPhone or, or whatever smartphone you have, or just going to Gemini.com on your laptop. We have a really kind of easy experience to set up an account just like you would with any other website that you're used to, easily link your your kind of preferred payment method, whether that's a bank account or, or, or a credit card, uh, and easily just buy crypto assets that we have. We have over 60, I think, crypto assets today and continue, continuing to list more on a regular basis But to choose from. But you can buy your first crypto asset for as little as $5 on our platform. So that's that's an easy way for someone to get to get started and involved. Once you own some Bitcoin or whatever, whatever the first asset you decide to choose from, Next thing I'd suggest is just poking around the platform a bit. We have pages for all the various assets that we list. Just We have descriptions of what the differences of some of those assets and applications actually do. So just poke around and start to get familiar with, with again, the terms and, and the assets that we actually to choose from. Um, we also, another great resource for beginners that we also have at, at Gemini is a portal called Cryptopedia. One of our focuses, right, is making it as easy for anyone to interact with the crypto ecosystem. So that could be kind of advanced traders that are trading on a daily basis. It could be institutions interacting with crypto, but we also have a big focus on kind of novice beginner, beginner folks like this that are just dipping their toes into crypto. We've built out a full educational platform that has a dictionary of terms, right? Of all the kind of uh, the terms that I, I might've even been mentioning that might've been going over your head on this podcast, right? We have, explainers on everything from just kind of like explain Bitcoin in five minutes to deeper dives into NFTs, uh, NFTs and DeFi and things like that. So we built out this educational platform 
to just help kind of guide your journey down the crypto rabbit hole, if you will, um, that can serve as kind of a great resource. So I think what I'd suggest in the early days is just buying a small amount of crypto on a platform like a Gemini, and then poking around with some of the educational resources that we've built or, or all over the internet, uh, because there's really something in crypto for everyone. And, and it's up to you to kind of do the learning yourself and understand if you're more of a creator kind of culture type person, you might be more drawn to NFTs. If you come from a finance background, you might be more drawn to DeFi. So uh, it might be a bad answer to your question in terms of how, how, what the next steps to getting involved, but I really think there's enough for everyone that I think just digging into some education is, is the best place for people to start. And, and then, then you'll kind of find a, find your way um, into the ecosystem. And then to answer kind of your last question about how, how we're supporting from a Gemini Frontier Fund perspective, just to give kind of a, a quick plug uh, on, on our team. Gemini Frontier Fund is, is Gemini's, as Brandon mentioned, kind of strategic venture arm where we're investing at the earliest stages all across the crypto ecosystem in entrepreneur teams that are really pushing the frontier of crypto forward. So taking a very kind of agnostic approach to what we invest in, right? We've invested in NFT-related projects. We've invested in DeFi. We've invested in institutional-type platforms. Um, we invested in, in metaverse and virtual reality-related projects. There's all sorts of things that we do and invest in via the Gemini Frontier Fund to just continue to bring the, the best and brightest entrepreneurs to the space and, and just further the ecosystem more broadly. And we've invested, I think, publicly in, in 10 or so companies, but several more to be announced soon and, and, and continuing to invest on a regular basis. Ooh. You let us know everything. And I think that was, you said it might've been the wrong answer. I think it's the right answer. Like I always tell people you can only learn so much by watching YouTube videos and reading articles. You have to get out there and participate. You have to get out of the stands, get off the bench and get into the game and, and start playing around with a few things. You don't have to use your, your rent money or, or anything that you need. You don't need to rob Peter to pay Paul to be able to get into the game. You can buy just very small pieces and just really learn and understand and have something involved there. And at the end of that answer, you talked about some of the companies you guys are investing in. I want to go even further and ask, what's very exciting for you in the crypto space right now? What's making you like jump out of bed in the morning? What's, what are like areas that you're looking to invest in personally or even professionally? Uh, please let us know. Yeah, uh, another great question. I mean, uh, as you know very well, you know, there's so many things to get excited about in this industry. There's so many new things that are popping up on a daily basis. And it's, it's hard to keep up. If you ask me this question in a week or a month, I'm, I'm sure I'll have probably a different answer for you. Just, just given the pace of kind of innovation and creation that we're seeing in the, this industry is, is amazing. I think there's a few areas that I've spent, I guess the last couple of weeks digging into a bit. And when I say couple of weeks uh, to, to some folks that might feel like a short amount of time, but in crypto, I, I promise that's, that's a year, <laughs> year in crypto time, right? Um, I spent the last couple of weeks digging into a few things, I think. First, um, just beginning to scratch the surface here, but I think is the intersection of crypto and culture, right? And, and media and, and, the, and the creator economy, right? Over the last few years, we've seen crypto innovation mostly focus on financial use cases. Uh, but over the last six to 12 months, we've seen kind of a, a huge uptick uh, at creators that aren't from finance world, but are from more of, again, the media or the music industry or, or creators themselves using crypto 
and I think there's a really interesting opportunity to use NFTs in particular. And again, I, I won't dig in too much into the technical side of things here, but to use NFTs to really disintermediate uh, and decentralize, right? Again, which is a theme that we come back to in crypto all the time, uh, but decentralize all sorts of, of media industry in general, right? So you can connect fans to artists directly via NFTs. You know, something I've been digging into recently is the value of curation in an ecosystem like this, right? I think NFTs almost give media, make media and culture investable in, in a way that uh, before you couldn't have curators. Like 10 years ago, there was blog sites, music blog sites as a good example. I used to get a lot of hype around like finding new music and sharing with my friends, but there wasn't much to that aside from just flexing that you, you found a new cool song to your friend. Now with NFTs and making kind of media and music and things like that investable, it, it, it fully aligns incentives and gives curators a real kind of valuable place within the ecosystem where they can actually invest directly in these artists that have incentives aligned to work with that artist, push artists forward and almost become an independent music label, right? So I think there's a lot to unpack in terms of how NFTs can help with creators and you, you, not just music, but all across kind of culture. Um, the other two areas that's super exciting to me right now are one, I've started to dig into decentralized stable coins generally, and just this ecosystem has been around, kind of algorithmic stable coins have been around for a little while now, but are catching some particular buzz in recent weeks because of, because of kind of looming US and global regulatory pressures, uh, specifically on centralized stablecoin issuers. Uh, so I've been digging into like the Terra Luna ecosystem, for example, is one that I've, I've been looking at in the last couple of weeks and it's super exciting to me and that their stablecoin UST and ways we can kind of push uh, how they've kind of designed their ecosystem to further incentivize adoption of, of decentralized stable coins more broadly and what kind of implications that has on future financial applications. So there's a ton to unpack there again, but that, that's the second kind of theme I'm focused on right now. Uh, and then the last piece, which has become more exciting, especially in the last week or so, I think is, is just kind of metaverse and virtual reality. Right. As I'm sure people saw Facebook's announcements last week in terms of shifting their entire company's pivot to be metaverse and virtual reality focused, changing their company name, their stock ticker has, you know, pushed a lot of buzz towards VR and metaverse generally, but has also kind of brought to the forefront of the conversation, this contrast between what might be kind of a closed metaverse in a Facebook or other kind of corporate led virtual reality ecosystem versus again, this open, transparent, decentralized system that that we're building in, in crypto and i think facebook's announcement again last week was almost just an, an admission that web3 and this decentralized kind of metaverse concept is, is onto the main stage and it's going to be a really exciting kind of battle to see play out over the next 10 years and i think there's going to be a ton of innovation around just like digital assets in virtual reality that you know i, I could go on a whole other <laughs> whole other tangent on the future of the virtual reality in the next 10 years but that is again given the um given the Facebook announcements has been really exciting over the last week or so. And we've actually invested publicly in, in two crypto-based virtual reality companies, one called Somnium Space, the other called The Sandbox, which are two projects that we're super excited about here at, at Gemini, kind of pushing that open, decentralized vision of the, of the metaverse forward over the next decade or so. Okay, you, you continually drop those gems. So NFTs, decentralized stable coins, and the metaverse, I think... NFTs and the metaverse go together really well, yeah. kind of consumer focus. And I think the cool thing about crypto is that 
it's not all going to be about B2B, which a lot of like industry or century or decade defining technologies tend to be B2B. This this one's going to be a lot around B2C and a lot around onboarding consumers. And with a company like Facebook changing their entire thesis to the metaverse and then renaming their company and changing the ticker, net net, even if Facebook were to like, Meta was totally to to miss the whole thing here, they would probably still onboard tens of millions of people to now know about this space. So I think net net, uh, tailwinds are extremely (laughs) positive on this one. Well, you know, wrapping up with our, our last question, you, you mentioned this quite a few times where you could go down a rabbit hole about many of the things that you discussed. If one were to be interested in going down said rabbit hole, what resources would you suggest? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's, there's a variety of kind of resources across the internet. First one I've already mentioned, I'll touch on again, is Gemini's kind of Cryptopedia platform, great starting place for just learning at the highest level or the most basic levels about, you know, kind of starting in crypto and understanding the general concepts. But aside from that, I mean, first place that I always recommend generally is, is just getting on, on Twitter, right? Seriously, I, I personally see so much value in Twitter as a platform, especially for, for our industry, right? I actually ended up, my, my initial road into the industry full-time was via, you know, a Twitter, a tweet, and then a, subsequently a Twitter DM. So there's a ton of value from a learning perspective, from a networking perspective, from a recruiting perspective on Twitter. Uh, and just, as you said, kind of participating in, in the ecosystem by way of conversation, right? Twitter, what it does is level the playing field and enable a global 24-7 conversation. And, you know, if you can kind of curate your following list to be the right uh, valuable kind of folks and thought leaders in the industry. There's so much to learn. And I would still learn so much from just what um, leaders in the space are talking about. From a more formalized perspective, I'd point to kind of a handful of other research and like news kind of sources to stay up to speed with things. The research side, love um, companies like Masari and Delphi Digital. Uh, I think they put out a ton of great crypto specific research. Full disclosure, Gemini is a customer and investor in Masari but they put out a ton of great content. And then there's other also crypto specific kind of news sites and publications like Coindesk uh, and The Block and Blockworks that I'd recommend as kind of a starting point for just keeping pulse on, on again, what's going on in the industry. So Cryptopedia from Gemini, Twitter, uh, research sources like Masari and Delphi Digital, and then, and then news sites like Coindesk, The Block and Blockworks, I think are great starting points as you start to go down the rabbit hole. Awesome. Well, we're coming to an end Marty, where can people you know, stay in touch with you and follow along on your journey? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so I am on most social platforms at just at Marty underscore Stenson. So you can give me a follow on, uh, on Twitter, connect with me on Telegram, things like that, LinkedIn there. If you want to stay abreast of kind of updates from Gemini, you can follow us on all socials as well, just at Gemini. And if you're interested in staying in the loop on some of the investments that we're making via Gemini Frontier Fund, we also have a, a website or a page within the Gemini website. Uh, I believe it's Gemini.com slash Frontier Fund, but I can maybe follow up with, with Brandon to make sure that link is correct and, and throw it in the show notes or something. But yeah, you can find it, I'm sure, on our Gemini website. And we're constantly posting new investments that we're making there. So that's the best places to find me and uh, what we're working on. Awesome, Marty. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Brandon.
Really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more, subscribe to the More Equity podcast on Apple and Spotify. You won't want to miss the other episodes in our Crypto Convo series. To stay connected to all things Harlem Capital, be sure to also follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for learning along with us. Until next time.